I think you saw it. I think you saw it. I think you saw yourself, some of you for the first time, before the throne of God in eternity, and you believed it was you. And it thrilled you. I think you saw the Lamb take his power and his presence and put it over you like it's a tent to protect you and it secures you. Did you notice that I'm quoting it right now? I'm quoting you the poetry. I'm quoting you the end of the text. I'm quoting it to you. This great, great ending. You saw it. I think you saw that that Jesus by his cross forgave your sins. I think you saw it, that Jesus by his resurrection from the dead has brought us into a new world, an undying, an unbreakable resurrection world. I think you saw it, I think you glimpsed it, that there's this place coming, that it's built for you, where you will not hunger ever because Jesus will satisfy you. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. All right, y'all, pray for me during this sermon that I can honor God with this and get through it strength. This is from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat them down nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is God's word. There's a pain that I want to minister to today. 
I suppose that means that God has given me a grace this morning. In the preaching task, God has given me the grace to exit this place the same way that I came in. I have something to say. See, I've never shown up on Sunday morning thinking, uh oh, it's 10 o'clock on Sunday, I gotta say something. I came up because I always had to say it. Because it was like a, a fire in my bones. I just had to let it out. There was a, there was a sin that I, had to, that I had to take out. There's a wall I got to tear down. There was, a, there was a monument of faith that by the power of the risen Christ, we were going to build it up. And so today, I have something to say. A ministry to a pain. It may not be the pain that you expect. There are more surface pains that come to the fore this morning. Like, for example, here we are, we have this theme in the church here. It's Easter, it's Good Shepherd Sunday. We're thinking about that. Here I am on Good Shepherd Sunday. I don't know if it's poetic or painful. That here I am on Good Shepherd Sunday and I'm giving you the last breath of my pastoral ministry. There's a pain attached to that. There are also symptoms of pain. You know, there's at the end of the text, there's these tears that God wipes away. We could talk about that, the symptoms. I've told many of you in the past that tears are not necessarily selfish, even though many of you always say they are. They're not. Tears come from love. And that's why at the end of the text, you notice God doesn't condemn the tears. What does he do with them? He wipes them away. But we don't want to deal with the surface pains or the symptoms of the pain. What we want to do instead is we want to deal with the central pain itself. If you're willing to see it, it's right there in the middle of the text. God gives John this vision of heaven. We get this glorious peak into eternity. And God shows him everything. If you look at the vision, it's like all of the promises of the Bible from the very beginning have now finally come true. God said to Abraham that all of your children, all of the nations, all of the people of faith are going to be blessed through this coming Christ. And now there they are. All of the promises have come true. Abraham's children, it's just like he said, they, they, they're, they're numberless. You can't actually count them. They're more than the stars. They're more than the sand on the seashore. They're more. You can't even count them. That means there's more than a million. Because you can actually count up to a million. There are so many people. And John sees them all. Multinational. Multi-ethnic, multilingual. John saw it all. And they were all there. They're all standing there in this victory pose. They've got palm branches in their hands, and they too had something to say. None of them were condemned. They had been saved. 
And they told Jesus about it. So they went first. But then the angels went second. The angels come out with their perfect sevenfold acclamation. How does it go? Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength. And so John gets this truly heavenly sight, this peak into eternity. And then, and then he wrecks it. God wants him to have so much hope. And he lets it all crash to the ground. This elder comes up to him, asks him about these people, the ones here in white robes. He says, you know, these people in eternity, these people with God, these people in heaven, who are they? Where do they come from, John? And John says, I got no clue. Well, that's not exactly what he said. What he said was, sir, you know, which is a nice way of saying, I don't have any idea. <laughs> I got no clue. And that's the pain. John had no idea if the people that he loved were these people. Don't, don't be naive. You know, <laughs> some of you are thinking, this is like a classroom, and you don't want to be that over-eager kid who's always raising his hand. This isn't a classroom. Some of you are thinking this is pious deference. He was saying, you know, this elder, he's thinking this elder knows better than I do. I'll just let him answer the question. No, it's not pious deference. He had been asked the question. He failed to answer it. He didn't know. All these spotless people. You know who they are, John? I know some people. Not sure that's them. They come from somewhere. Pretty sure it's not around here. That's John. I'm, I'm not trying to pick on him. I think it's totally understandable. <laughs> I don't think anybody looks around at their own church family and says, these, these are the great immortals. They're like, that guy couldn't even pick out a decent shirt for church. He's not wearing white in eternity. We're not that glorious. It's understandable. I should know I've been here from the very beginning. We're not that glorious, our... Our origins, they're not that glorious. <laughs> I remember pulling into town. I'd go around, I'd say, I'm starting a church. People would say, here? Don't we have enough already? I remember. I remember one of the, one of the first, this guy, one of the guys, not any, here anymore, he moved away, but one of the guys who was supposed to be one of the key guys to start this church, he said to me, he said to me, point blank, he said, Pastor, I don't think it's going to work. We're not that glorious. You know how it went down? You know, you know how it went down? This is the truth about how it went down. We couldn't even find a place to gather for worship. Did you know that? 
We started at South Aiken High School, didn't work. So we went to Chucker Creek Elementary, the principal wouldn't let us in. So we went to Horse Creek Academy, that was going to work. We actually had a launch team and we went in there, school was launching at the same time we were, and so we went in there and we cleaned the school and it was, everything was lined up until the principal said it's not going to work either. And so just before we were supposed to start worship, we had absolutely no place to worship. And so we went from plan A to plan B to plan C to no plan whatsoever. And so we finally went to plan D, which, by the way, I fought. I thought going to some back alley... which was in the middle of a whole bunch of churches, that it would never work. And that's where we started. When we got in there, it wasn't that glorious either. I remember one Sunday, it was so glorious, I'm being a little sarcastic, that we couldn't even figure out how to connect up the sound system. And so when you can't, can't connect up the sound system, what you do is you take an iPhone and you put it up next to a mic. And I'm thinking to myself, anybody who came this Sunday is never coming back. And you just got to do a little bit of comparison, right? Here are these people in the vision. They're singing on perfect pitch. We're sticking an iPhone in a mic. Here are these people in the vision who know where they're supposed to be gathered around Jesus. We're on to plan D. You can understand if a pastor might say, might get asked, who are these people in white? And he says, I have no earthly idea. It's not us. But see, I haven't even told you about all the personal stories. I go in the kitchen the other night before the concert. There's a bunch of people serving in there. They say, Pastor, here we are. We're a motley crew. And I thought to myself, truer words couldn't be spoken. <laughs> I love you, but it's true. That's the kind of thing that I get to say because I'm far more than a preacher. I'm your pastor, and I know you. We are quite the motley crew. Reminds me of the Bible, very much of the Bible. There's one person who's a tax collector, another person who is impetuous, still another person who's calling down judgment on people who Jesus wants to love. And I can think of all the faces. Hundreds of conversations over the years. You know where we come from? All of us, we come from different places. Places of unbelief. Places of infidelity. Places of addiction. Pastor, I don't believe Pastor, I hate people. Pastor, I think I'm going to hell. 
We come from so many different places. I'm not picking on John. I think it's totally understandable. John, John, can you tell me who these people are? These spotless, glorious, perfect people who are all proclaiming the praises of Jesus. Do you know who these people are? Well, I know some people. Not sure it's them. I know where they come from. Doesn't look like they're going there. That's the pain. And so God sends John an elder. And this elder tells John who they are. I want to slow down right there. Now, before I go any further, I want to tell you that in no way, shape, or form am I at all trying to imply that I am a heavenly elder. I'm not. I'm very much an earthly one. (laughs) But that's what I am. I'm an earthly elder. Did you know that? Pastors are called different things in the Bible. Pastors are sometimes called pastor, pastors to emphasize their shepherding calling. That's what a pastor is. He is a shepherd. But sometimes in the Bible, pastors are called elders. When they're called elders, they are meant to, that is meant to emphasize not their biological age and wisdom, but rather their spiritual age and wisdom. I am your elder. but not just any old elder elder either. Can I be jealous for you for a moment? I want to do this like Paul did it. The Apostle Paul planted far more churches than I ever will. But this is what he said. He said, you may have 10,000 guardians in Christ. And by the way, I pray that you do. I pray that you here at Peace have 10,000 guardians in Christ. 10,000 spiritual leaders. 10,000 more pastors. 10,000 because you by far surpass in decades, in souls, what we've been brought to at this point. I pray that you have 10,000 guardians in Christ. But you do not have many fathers. That has been my grace. I am the founding pastor of this church. And that is a grace. Oh, you know it's a grace. You know me too well. You know it's a grace. Couldn't be by works. And so you know it's true. You get, you, we are saved by grace. And we also serve by it. It has been my grace to be the founding of, founder of this church. I tell you that because What I want to do is I want to raise up out of that with some strength 
and power and authority and tell you this. I know who these people are. I know. I know who they are. I know who the people are and why. I know who they are. These are people, they wear white. But it's not theirs. These are people, they come, they come from the great tribulation. They come from all kinds of different places. They almost didn't make it. But then they did. Because of the power of the risen Christ. I know who these people are. The whiteness isn't theirs. It's the laundromat they went to. They didn't get themselves there. It's the power of the risen lamb. I know who they are. They're you. But I think you knew that already. I think that's why this church has grown. Contrary to everybody's expectations, especially mine. I think that's why you came. I think that's why you stayed. Because you caught a vision. This vision. I think you saw it. I think you saw it. I think you saw yourself, some of you for the first time, before the throne of God in eternity, and you believed it was you. And it thrilled you. I think you saw the Lamb take his power and his presence and put it over you like it's a tent to protect you. And it secured you. Did you notice that I'm quoting it right now? I'm quoting you the poetry. I'm quoting you the end of the text. I'm quoting it to you. That's great. Great ending. I think you saw it. I think you saw that, that Jesus by his cross forgave your sins. I think you saw it that Jesus by his resurrection from the dead has brought us into a new world, an undying, an unbreakable resurrection world. I think you saw it. I think you glimpsed it that there's this place coming that it's built for you where you will not hunger ever because Jesus will satisfy you where you will not ever thirst because Jesus went thirsty for you. Where you won't ever have any heat or harm or sun, where all of the problems of this life aren't even a bad memory anymore. It's like they never happened. Where golfers golf. And singers sing and runners run. And artists make art all to the glory of God and not themselves. I think you came to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. That God isn't there to wipe you away. But only to wipe your tears. I think you saw it was you. 
Not somebody holier than you, not somebody better than you, not some, somebody from another country or from a, with a different language. I think you saw that it was you. In fact, I figure it had to be that way. Had to be. We've never been that glorious. Some of you remember being back in the alley. We had those cruddy little chairs and nobody could really fit on them. We had musicians and we tried hard. We tried hard, but they'd never sung in public before and we had people learning to play guitar again. We've never been that glorious. It wasn't ever about a light show or a rock show. It was always about the gospel. It was always that. It's never gotten any better. You know what I found out this morning? I found out here we've had this COVID outbreak at the church, so we really needed our YouTube channel this morning. But you know what your pastor went and did? He's trying to clean up his office. He went and he deleted the whole channel. We're not that glorious. I hope you're watching on YouTube, or I mean on Facebook. It was never us. It was always a different vision. And we have a shepherd lamb. That's what John calls him. Did you catch it? He's a shepherd lamb. It's paradoxical. A lamb who's also a shepherd. A ruler who's also a friend. A sovereign who's also a savior. Someone who leads us to heaven even though we led him as a lamb to the slaughter. A shepherd lamb. It's always been about that. So can I tell you something that's true based on that? It's not that big a deal that I'm leaving. It's not. Because peace will still be peace. And the gospel will still be true. It's not that big a deal. I can prove it to you. Everything that is possibly good about me doesn't come from me anyway. The grace that you learn from me, it's not my grace. It's his. The love that you knew for me, if you did know love for me because I'm a sinner, I wasn't perfect at it. It's not my love. It was his. If there was strength or conviction or courage or compassion that you got from me in any measure, it wasn't mine. Jesus gave it to me. I want to reiterate that. 
This church was never built on my gifts. It was built on the giver. The grace isn't mine. The love isn't mine. The courage isn't mine. None of it's mine. It's Christ. Christ is the shepherd. Christ is the one who laundered your robes. Christ is the one who's shepherding you to heaven. Christ is the one who will never leave you, never forsake you, never not forgive you. It's Christ. It's always been Christ. And if that's true about my pastorate here, then it's true of this church and her ministry. If this church has a voice, and come on, peace, this church has a voice. Did you see us at Easter this year? Then it's Christ's voice. If this church has a ministry, and this church has a ministry, then it's Christ's ministry. If this church has a hope, and this church has a hope, then it's Christ's hope. If this church has a mission for Aiken, and this church has got a mission for Aiken, then it's Christ's mission for Aiken. It's Christ for you. It's Christ in you. It's Christ among you. It's Christ in front of you, and behind you, and for you, forever. It's always been Christ. And that's why it's not a big deal that I'm leaving. Because Christ doesn't change. And what he started, he will finish. It's not the biggest deal in the world that I'm leaving. But on the other hand, it's not the smallest either. My family and I are going to grieve leaving you. I have loved you. God knows I have. I figure there's only one man in here right now who has a future who Maybe he'll be able to understand what it means to live with people on your heart. What it means to be a pastor. I have loved you. God knows I have. I can only hope you knew it too. So I grieve leaving but I have the strength to do it because of my hope. That I have in spades. I have so much hope. I hope in God that I am doing something more today than leaving you. I hope in God that I am going to others. God has a calling on my life. There are people in Minnesota that he would have me reach. I know God too well to think he's going to waste my life. I hope in God. And you know what? I hope in Jesus. I hope in Jesus for you.
If I thought for a single moment that anybody's salvation in here was dependent on me, I would never leave. But it's not. Jesus is the great Messiah of God and he's not a quitter. Did you know that? He's not a quitter. He's the great Messiah of God. What he started in you, he will finish. What he raised up in you as a church, he's going to bring its purpose to conclusion. He is the great Messiah of God. He is not a quitter. And by the way, I hope that you will look back on this moment and you will say, we were just beginning as a church. We are just getting started. I have so much hope in Jesus for you. You are going to reach this city. And finally, I have hope for us. Us. I've been uh, thinking about the end of this poetic section from John. He says that there's going to be no more tears. I've been thinking about that. I always imagined it would go like this. I always imagined the very human Jesus would come up, he'd take his big old thumb, and he'd wipe the tears off my cheek. But it doesn't say that in the text. It says that he's going to wipe our tears away. It does not say how. You know what it might be? It may just be that in eternity he will wipe our tears away by giving us back to each other. In the meantime, I ask of you these four very brief things. One, Hold on to each other. God has called you to love each other and forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Hold on tight. Number two, be who you are Most of you know exactly what I mean when I tell you you are a special people and this is a special place. Don't change. Be who you are. Be peace. Number three, hold on to Jesus. All of us are still in the great tribulation. Jesus promised that. He said, you will have trouble. He also promised there would be peace. His peace. Hold on to him. Never let go. And number four. For the moment, wait on God. Wait on God. He will send you a pastor. He'll send you everything else too. How can he not? He already sent you Jesus. Wait on God. 
until you never have to wait again. Because it's, as I already told you, the vision that you have seen here today, you find out that I was right. It's you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the risen Christ. You rose from the dead to send your spirit out into the world through your church, of which we are a part. Be in this church in Aiken. Provide for their every need, Lord. Give them hope and confidence and faith to face their future. Make this a place where your gospel rings out day after day, Sunday after Sunday, through your word and your sacraments. Lord, until you come again and it's no longer necessary. Plant in these people, your people, this hope of the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.